Good morning. As you know, Pastor Ralph has been speaking about the I am's of Jesus. And since the first of the year, he's been preaching everything is about Jesus. Um, and I am going to start doing a series. Uh, it, it's going to be intermittent. Um, because he's gone today, I will be teaching you. And then in about six to eight weeks, I will teach you again. And every six to eight weeks. And I will be teaching on the very same thing. And my subject is, it's all about the Holy Spirit. So you can tell by the worship set this morning. Um, did you feel that? Did you sense, sense the Holy Spirit? And uh, I don't know if we have our title slide up, guys. The Holy Spirit, who is he? There is so much controversy and confusion surrounding the topic of the Holy Spirit. And I, I got to tell you, I'm nervous this morning, more nervous than usual to speak in front of a group of people because I feel like I have this great responsibility to actually introduce him to you. And I was trying to think, who in this world, if I was introducing them, would it make me this nervous? And I was going through politicians, and it was like, no, none of them would make me nervous. And then I was, I was going to movie stars, and I was going to sports people. And then I thought about people even back in history, Abraham Lincoln. You know, I was just, I was going through, and it was like, nobody compares to me introducing the Holy Spirit to you. So I'm nervous because I, I want you to know him. And oh, I... I want to do him proud this morning, and yet I need his help. <laughs> I need his help. I want to give you life-changing insight into the mystery of the Holy Spirit. And if you have questions in the weeks and months to come, I want to put your mind at ease and lead you to know the love of the comforter, the love of the helper, and my friend. <laughs> And I want him to be your friend too. And I want to motivate and teach you and equip you to embrace the third person of the Trinity as well as launch you into a fresh new season of worship. Now, you should probably know what Pastor Ralph and Susie believe about the Holy Spirit. And you should probably know what Legacy Church believes about the Holy Spirit. But this morning, we're going to talk about the most important authority on the Holy Spirit, and that is the Bible. What is Bible? Because there's so much out there about the Holy Spirit, and oftentimes I look at it and go, that's not Bible. Even in Ralph's and my own journey, there are things that we have done in the past that I feel embarrassed about where we misrepresented the Holy Spirit in some way. And God is so good and so gracious. But I believe that we have come through, you know, years ago when it was a very emotional thing to real maturity to where he's my friend and I know him and he's real. And I'm hoping 
I can teach you in a way that doesn't make you want to run from the Holy Spirit or doesn't make you think he is somehow the unimportant part of the Trinity or even worse, the scary part of the Trinity. When I was sending Tammy a text about the songs I was wanting, I wasn't giving her titles. I was just saying, this is kind of the subject on I'm on. And for some reason, my spell check put in the hokey spirit. <laughs> and I said to her, I'm really hoping that one doesn't show up tomorrow. But have you ever been in a church service where there's been the hokey spirit? <laughs> I've been part of those. I, you know, I was even the problem of part of those. Some of you may have grown up in a denomination that avoided mentioning the Holy Spirit. And maybe in your church or you grew up and treated him like the crazy uncle who shows up at Thanksgiving, who does inappropriate things and you don't want to make eye contact with him, but you can't help it because you're related to him, so you got to have him in the family dinners and... <laughs> You're hoping if you don't mention his name or send him a Christmas card, maybe he won't show up. <laughs> just, you know, just stay away. Or maybe you've been taught to watch out for people who even mention the name Holy Spirit. And yet, Jesus taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and I want to be like Jesus. I'll be honest. Um, now at the age that I am, it offends me when someone thinks badly about a person that I love and I respect. Especially when the opinion that they have is based on lies and misunderstandings. And I believe there's a lot of lies and misunderstandings when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So you need to know your Bible. What does your Bible say? And after being in the ministry for over 35 years, I've seen firsthand that an awful lot of Christians have a distorted, inaccurate, or an incomplete view of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice something. He is not an it. He is a he. Do you know that a loving and an amazing person desires to know you and to fill your life with good things. The abundant, dynamic, full life that Jesus promised to us is actually released through an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. So who is he? Who it's this Holy Spirit. So I don't know how many weeks and months this will take me because it's not going to be every week. But are you ready to go on a journey to really find out what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? During Jesus' years of ministry on earth, Jesus knew the Holy Spirit better than any human being had ever known him. So the best place to learn about the Holy Spirit begins with Jesus. So we're going to look at the words he used to introduce the Spirit to the disciples. And if on your own sometimes you want to read um, the book of John, chapter 14 through 16, it's a record of Jesus 
conversation with his disciples at the Last Supper. And I want you to get a picture of this. Jesus is not publicly talking to a really large crowd. He's not debating the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He's in a small room having dinner with his closest friends. And he knows that in 12 short hours, he's going to die on the cross. A leader who knows he's about to be killed is giving information and instruction to his followers. And it's an unbelievably serious moment. I'm going to paraphrase the first part of John 14. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, but I'm going away. Let's turn to John 16. I love that we have the PowerPoint. I love that we have, I think it's called the program Proclaim. But I love my Bible. <laughs> I know some of you younger folks have the, your gadgets out. <laughs> I like feeling it. Smelling it. Underlining it. You know, you know, I needed the New King James Version, and I brought my parallel Bible, which is probably not the wisest thing to do. Um, John chapter 16, verse 7. Thank you for your patience here. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the what? What's it say up there? Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus says, now I want you guys to get this. I'm telling you the truth. And he says that because it's unbelievable what he is saying. I mean, they are grief-stricken, and they love him, and they depend on him, and he is their miracle-working leader. How could it possibly be good that he's about to leave them? And because if he doesn't go, the helper can't be sent. Now, some of your translations might also say counselor, comforter, advocate, but when you look at the original Greek, it's helper. The role of this person coming, the role of the Holy Spirit is to help. So if you've had some misconception about the, what the role of the Holy Spirit is, look at your Bible here. His role is to help. Now let's turn to John 14, verse 16 and 17. Again, Jesus speaking, and he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, he assures them that the helper is not a complete stranger. He says, but you know him. 
How could they already know the helper? Jesus explains, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The phrase dwells with is present tense. The phrase will be in you is future tense. When you look in the Old Testament, people like Samson and David, whoops, and Joseph, it said the Holy Spirit was with them or came on them. But Jesus is saying something's going to change because I'm going away. The Holy Spirit, the helper's going to come, and he's actually going to be in you, just like he was in Jesus. So at the moment Jesus was speaking, the disciples had experienced the helper dwelling with them to a certain extent, but the helper was about to be sent in a way that would make him not only with, but in them. What Jesus spoke to a small group of his closest friends was also meant for you and also meant for me. The Holy Spirit is with us in this room. But he was intended to be in you. (laughs) In you. Jesus gives... um, an answer to us when we ask, what kind of help is this helper going to give us? Let's go to John 14, verse 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the who? Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He, number one, he will teach you all things. Now, really stop and think about how incredible this promise is. There is no subject in which God isn't an ex, ex, what's that word? Expert. (laughs) No subject that he doesn't know about. He has all the answers And if you ask him, he will teach you. George Washington Carver once asked God to tell him the secrets of the universe. But instead, God pointed him to something much smaller. Do you know what it was? The peanut. (laughs) The secrets Carver discovered led to the invention of one of my favorite foods, peanut butter. But also some cosmetics, some paint, Oil, marble, plywood, and even the dye used in Crayola crayons. All of his inventions, Carver humbly attributes to the creator and often said, the Lord has guided me. And without my Savior, I am nothing. He had the helper. Pastor Bert, very mechanic man, mechanical man. Was it your your mom's sewing machine that you took apart? Her brand new sewing machine that she brought home. And how old were you, Bert? Do you remember? Twelve years old. And Martha brings home a brand new sewing machine, and or it was probably a used one. And Bert decides his brain is going, and he takes it apart to see how it works, and then puts it back together again. Right. Puts it back together again. So he has this very mechanical mind. When Pastor Bert would have some mechanical problem with his car, 
that would have had him very perplexed. He'd pray about it. That night he'd go to sleep. And I don't know how many times he would have a dream as to how to fix the problem. And when he woke up, he would do what he saw in the dream, and the problem was solved. He had the helper. And that's just a simple illustration. But even more, the helper will teach you how to be a godly husband, a godly wife, a godly parent, a godly employee, and a godly friend. Number two, the Holy Spirit helps you remember everything Jesus says to you. That's why it's so important to read your Bible. When you read God's word, you must constantly, I have to constantly say, Susie, this is for you. This is for me. When you read it, you should be saying, this is for me. And when you read it, don't just see the words. Ask the helper, the Holy Spirit, to show you somebody in these scriptures. To show you, not just words, but show you Jesus. I don't know how people survive without Jesus. You know, Ralph is not only preaching in Kellogg today, but one o'clock he has a, a funeral at North Idaho College for his good friend Troy at age 42, committed suicide, leaving behind a wife, two children, and two grandchildren. Now it's just baffles my mind is that Sabrina's first husband also committed suicide. So this is the second time this has happened to Sabrina. I'm going, God, how does she survive without knowing you? There, there's no way that this family will make it without you. And you see heartache in the world all the time. We see broken people. And I just don't know how. I couldn't do it. I couldn't survive without Jesus. So when you are facing discouragement, the Holy Spirit will remind you of something you read. For instance, one of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah 41.10. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And it's like, thank you, God, for reminding me I am the woman that you are with. That's what scripture does for you when something comes back to your mind. You are the man and woman that God is with. And if you've been reading your Bible, in the moments that are the deepest, darkest, you'll remember scripture. Also in moments of joy, you will remember scripture. Or how about a song? Have you ever woken up in the morning and there's an old hymn or a song going on in your head? You know, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I actually sang that this morning. Tammy didn't know it, but I was, you know, in worship at home and that old chorus started going through my head. That's the Holy Spirit saying, remember this. Remember this. Remember this. The Holy Spirit helps you remember everything Jesus says to you. Now let's go to John 16, verse 12 through 14. And guys, I want you to leave this one up until I tell you to move it. 
Again, Jesus speaking, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears who he will speak, and he will tell you things to come, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. I know that scripture has a lot of words in it. But I want you to hear two things that this, the Holy Spirit helps you with. First of all, he is the spirit of truth. Jesus announced he would soon be sending a helper who would make it possible to live a life free of deception. That was a thing that tripped up Adam and Eve. And he says, I'm going to send you a helper. Parents, you need a helper. You need a helper. You need to know if you are being deceived by your child's friend. Or if you have a strong-willed child like I was, you need to know if that child is deceiving you. You need a helper. That's the Holy Spirit to whisper to you. On your job, you need the helper. You need to be alert to deception in this day and age. If you are in any type of leadership, you need the helper to help you read people. As an employee, you need the helper. You need to know how to work with all sorts of people that you might win some to Jesus, but you need to know when there's deception in the workplace. And it's been a while since I've been out in the public workplace, but I can remember many instances where there was deception going on. We need the helper. But probably the biggest area that you need help from deception is with yourself. And sometimes we want to put it all out there, and God is saying, I want you to look in here. One of my favorite, least favorite scriptures that I pray all the time is create in me a clean heart, oh God. And then it's like, okay, is he going to do that? Ralph and I have recently talked, and we laugh. We say, you know what? What is it with us that God doesn't let us get away with anything? Because we see people get away with lots of stuff. We see people in leadership and authority who get away with being very autocratic, very unloving. You know, it's my way or the highway. If you don't like our vision, then you can leave. We've, we've seen that with very good friends who are pastors, and somehow it can work for them. And it's like God does not let us get away with any hard attitudes. He's always going after our heart. He often says to me, Susie, I don't care what that person did. I want you to be big. And I can stop my foot and say, God, I don't want to be big, you know. And, and he's going, I'm after your heart. I am after your heart. The other area is my God self-image where I can be deceived. I can remember probably about seven years ago when I started um, having health issues and emotional issues and depression and a whole pileup of things. And I can remember standing at the first house that we were living in in the upstairs. Ralph was in bed and I couldn't sleep. 
and I'm sobbing and I say, God, I am such a great disappointment to you. <laughs> and it's like I heard God say, what? <laughs> what? And there was deception there that would keep me in a place of depression and illness. And he's like, Susie, you are courageous. You got out of bed today and you took a shower and you went to church and yeah, you came home and rested, but big deal. You are courageous. And he took that deception out of my heart. So God works on our heart both ways. He's like, I don't want you to be, de be deceived by, <laughs> I don't want you to be deceived by you having, well, let me put it this way. Let me go back to this. When Ralph and I were, we weren't thinking about moving here. Um, we were 24 years in Kellogg, Idaho. We were then senior pastors at Christian Life Center. And Pastor Bert and Ralph, our Pat came up to us, or Trisha as we call her. And they were like, we, we've got, something has to change. Will you guys consider being pastors at, it was then MGT. And we're like, no. But we sure will be praying for you guys. <laughs> and it was like that they kept looking and looking for God's purpose. And they'd come back up. And finally, I think Pastor Bert said, will you really pray about it? And we said, okay, in January, our church is going to be have a, a Daniel fast, 21-day Daniel fast, and we'll pray about it then. So... We went to prayer, but what was interesting is for those 21 days, God didn't let us focus on Meridian at all. He goes, you're here. You take care of this people. 21 days, you're seeking my, my face on this people's behalf. So as hard as we wanted to think about Meridian, God wouldn't allow that. And then after the Daniel fast... Then seven more days we prayed and fasted and we would go to the church at six o'clock in the morning and pray and just like, God, this is crazy. There's no way, you know, but what are they going to do? And, and, you know, we were planning on having our cemetery plots up on the hill and we were going to live there forever. And it was where our life was. And on the seventh day, Ralph and I were praying and it's like we turned to each other at the same time. And Ralph said, we're supposed to go to Meridian. And I burst into tears and I said, I know. <laughs> now, what's interesting at that time was, um, you know, we were looking back at some of the stats. On Easter Sunday of that first year that we came, we had 111 people. But on a regular Sunday service, there were only between 70 and 80 people here in the congregation. Ralph and I were going to change things we'd been pastors for a long time and then we had some great ideas and we're going to change things and we got down here and we felt the hand of God say you be careful I am careful with this people I am merciful and loving to this people you be careful and Ralph and I just both felt like Oh, God, how could we be so arrogant? 
Because you know what? You can come in and you can give words of prophecy and words of knowledge and you can heal people and you can um, give all your riches to the poor. Do you know where I'm going? And if you don't love the people, what does God say in his word? It's nothing. And God said, you, I want you to fall in love with this people. I want you to fall in love with them. You have no right to have a superior spirit over them. I want you to be in love with them, and then you can teach and guide and lead them. That was really humbling because we thought we knew what we were doing. Found out we can't make you into our image. God is making you into his image. And we've, there's certain areas that Ralph and I just have to be so careful. And we are constantly asking ourselves, do we really love them? I shouldn't even pray for you if I don't have love for you. Because my prayers, if you come forward and I've got a problem going on, <laughs> I need to grab somebody else and say, okay, you got to pray for them because God wants my heart to be right. Honestly, I've never had that happen, but I know that God has said that to me. Okay, the helper will guide you into all truth, free from deception. And then the fourth one, and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you the future. I don't know if you can believe this or not, but wouldn't it be beneficial to know that bad things are coming Ralph and I have had multiple times when God revealed something to us that difficulties were coming over the horizon. And that's not just because we're pastors. It's just because we're Christians and we're full of the Holy Spirit. I remember us driving home from a church conference one, one year, and I believe Ralph was principal at Kellogg High School at that time. So we had the weight of him being a full-time principal and also pastors at the church. And we could see this huge, dark, billowy cloud off in the distance as we're driving home. And I said out loud, man, we're heading into a storm. And it was just like both of us turned to each other. And we knew at that moment that we literally were heading into a storm at the church. It was just like the light went on. But because God warned us, we were able to walk into the storm knowing no matter how bad it got, God was with us. And also that no matter how bad it got, we were supposed to do the right thing even if it hurt us. <laughs> Does that make sense? You do the right thing even to your own hurt. Even better, wouldn't it be beneficial to know that good things are coming? Good things are coming. Have you ever had a feeling that something wonderful was just around the corner? Sarah Lowe, <laughs> as I see her crouch down, wouldn't it be wonderful to have that feeling that something wonderful is just around the corner? Is Travis and Jen Warden here? Where are you at? Okay. Guys, all morning long, I got to tell you, I've seen this arrow pointing down at Travis's head like this, and it's like a blinking light pointing at you. There are good things coming. 
Good things are coming. There's a call on your life. And while we were singing the song about Moses, I saw you and Jen walk into a place where the call of God became more distinct and more clear. And God took Moses from a place where he tried to do things in his own strength. He thought, this is the way this is supposed to be. I'm going to handle it this way. And then God took him to a place that was higher and Moses fell in love with the people around him, and he set them free, and it's that kind of call that is on your guys' life. Not just on Travis, but it's on you too. There's something powerful over you too this morning. Be excited because there's something just around the corner. It's not just in the kingdom either. There's something job-wise. I don't know what it is, but there's something job-wise that you need to be looking around the corner. Expect great things. Financially, God's going to bless you. See, if you know something's coming around the corner, it lifts your expectation and it makes you alert. You know, you're looking for that open door. Otherwise, you wouldn't even think about it. God can plant a dream in you for your future, and it will motivate and guide your life script. The helper will tell you things to come. So the bottom line or the key message about the Holy Spirit's role is very simple. He helps us. There's nothing scary about that. He helps us. And there's nothing small about that. He's not unimportant. He's vital. Almost every one of you has a desire, sometimes a desperation, to hear the voice of God. If you can't hear God's voice, how will you ever break out of your comfort zone? If Ralph and I hadn't heard the voice of God in Kellogg, we would never have moved out of our comfort zone and moved down to Meridian. Never. Never would have. What's interesting is because we heard God's voice... Even though we've had times where we wanted to, this is hard and we are going to retire tomorrow. Do you know what? But God called us to this. And we will not come down because we're doing a great work for him. If you know God called you to something, it gives you courage to, until God calls me away from this, I am not moving no matter how hard it gets because he is with me. Hearing God and responding to him can take you to new places. And this is what I love, of intimacy and purpose in him. How much time do you spend with the Holy Spirit? Go ahead and put up the last slide, guys. Oh, it's not the last one. It's the next one. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hearing God's voice. There you go. Hearing God's voice begins by recognizing which member of the Trinity is tasked with speaking to us in this season of history. The Holy Spirit. Let's read that together. Hearing God's voice begins by recognizing which member of the Trinity is tasked with speaking to us in this season of history. It's the Holy Spirit. So, I know this can work with your mind a little bit, but I just want you to think. God, the Bible says God is on his throne. Jesus is at his right hand. Jesus says, I have to go away. Right? But the Holy Spirit is active and present, and he's commissioned 
to interact with you each and every day. Sometimes the reason you aren't sure if you really hear the voice of God is because you don't engage or you don't embrace the Holy Spirit whose job it is to speak to you. See, God had a magnificent long-term plan in place after Jesus' ascension in heaven. He had a long-term plan. It was to give us the Holy Spirit, the helper, to live not only with us, but in us. Okay, now the last slide, guys. The helper was sent to live not only with us, but in us. His role is to empower you, teach you, and to help you remember the words of Jesus. His role is to reveal God's truth to you and make it possible to live a life free from deception. The helper will whisper to you secrets of the future on your job, your finances, your personal life, and the kingdom of God. This morning, maybe you've never heard that the Holy Spirit of God was meant to live inside of you. Or maybe you've had a distorted, distorted concept of him or an accurate or incomplete view of him. You've been unaware that a very loving and amazing person desires to know you and fill your empty life with good things. Or... You have seen people misrepresent the Holy Spirit. And I just want to publicly say I apologize for that. And I know that in the past I've even had a hand in it. Misrepresented the Holy Spirit. I have given prophetic words when I knew God was saying, speak, 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 and God quit speaking, and then I kept speaking. Anybody else ever done something like that? Raise your hand, please. Thank you. But I apologize for anybody who's misrepresented the Holy Spirit to you and somehow gave you an inaccurate view of who he is. Hopefully what I have taught so far this morning has brought some clarity. If you've had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I pray you go deeper. And if you've never had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the helper, I hope you grow really curious. <laughs> Tammy, go ahead and come up. Let's go ahead and stand. I hope you got to know my friend a little bit more. He wants to be your friend too, you know? He <laughs> I got to say this, in a way, he's kind of like Mr. Rogers, you know, taking off his sweater, putting on his other sweater, all comfortable and warm and stuff. And then God gave me a, a, a visualization of the Holy Spirit once. I thought he was kind of some whipsy thing that flew around, and all of a sudden, this Iron Man, about 80 feet tall, landed down on the earth, and God said, no, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit. So with every head bowed, Eyes closed. Repeat after me, please, everybody. Jesus, I surrender to the best of my ability. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit. I need the helper. Convict me 
convince me, persuade me. Please come and fill me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. You're the God, we do thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your life, your death, and your resurrection. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our hearts. If I could ask you one more time just to bow your heads. And as we prayed that prayer earlier, as Susie led us through, if there was someone here who's saying, yeah, I, I've never really prayed that prayer before of inviting the Holy Spirit into my life. Or if you're saying, I've never really asked Jesus just to be my Lord and Savior. You have that opportunity every day. But we invite you to raise your hand and just to say, Lord Jesus, I need you today. I reach out to you to be my Lord and Savior this day. It's your choice to make. Father, we thank you for the hearts and the lives in this house. We thank you, Lord God, that you are here. Holy Spirit, you are here to help. You are here to lead and to guide. 
to give us the wisdom that we need, to give us the truth that we need. So Holy Spirit, as we go now, we know that you go with us and we invite you to be a part of every portion of our lives. Bless this people as we go. Bless this house as we go. And may we go out now to serve and to know that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us to show the love that you have for each one of us. Bless this house indeed. Amen.